I think I'm a very curious person. When I'm presented with an opportunity, I want to find out more. When I joined my heritage nine years ago, I've never in my wildest dreams thought that this could happen, that I could be a part of it, that I could make a change. You find yourself in the middle of, of the night. You are sitting in a tiny wooden canoe on a river crawling with crocodiles, and you are actually hunting for crocodiles. And then it hits you. What am I doing here? I'm working for this well-established high-tech company. I should be sitting in my office in front of my computer drinking coffee. Hi, my name is Golan Levy, and I've been working at MyHeritage for the past eight years now. I work there as a user experience expert, and I also lead the Tribal Quest expeditions. Tribal Quest is a unique MyHeritage pro bono project, which is intended to record and safeguard the family stories of indigenous people around the world. I was always fascinated, ever since I can remember myself, with remote destinations and exotic places and wild animals and cultures and cultures. So this seemed like the perfect fit. I mean, I, I can't believe that it happened. I really can't believe it. I first came up with the idea of Tribal Quest since at a certain stage in my life, I worked with an Australian artist who was building huge environmental sculptures in various locations around the world. The thing all of them had in common was the fact that they always involved working with local, uh, mostly indigenous populations. So I got to meet a lot of people from up close and was exposed to countless fascinating personal stories. Stories that were passed down from one generation to another, word of mouth, but ones that have no chance of surviving over the years for the simplest reason that they are actually not being documented. Every single time we're about to launch a new expedition, uh, we send a call out to the entire uh, employees of MyHeritage, asking them to uh, apply if they feel, uh, they feel up to the challenge. My name is Nitai Elboim, and I am the country manager for MyHeritage in Israel. And I was lucky enough to be a member of the Tribal Quest delegation to the Amazon rainforest in 2019. As a global leader in family history, we believe that every story counts. Across a diverse range of cultures and backgrounds, our lives and family traditions are shaped by the generation that came before us. And we all have much to learn from our ancestors. This is what we think here at MyHeritage. People living in remote location with limited access to modern technology don't have the tools to digitize their rich family histories and they often left unrecorded. So the goal of the Tribal Quest project is to solve exactly this, to help create an ever-expanding database of these invaluable stories. Hi, my name is Noah. I work at my heritage in the customer relations department. And today, three years ago, I joined the most amazing Tribal Quest project, traveling to Ecuador and Panama, living in the jungle, and collecting the most amazing stories that you're going to hear. Our mission is to visit tribal communities around the world in order to use the tools we have developed to help preserve their family histories for future generations. We think it's important and we have the resources. We have cool and adventurous employees. And if that's so, why not? I wanted to join this mission because 
I felt like it was something very powerful to do for someone else. It is important to note that there are some major attempts to document and preserve the cultural heritage of such indigenous uh, societies, yet these attempts all seem to observe each community as a whole. As individuals, the vast majority of those people are nameless. Nobody knows their story. Their family structure is not charted. Eventually, their memory will fade away and their future descendants will know absolutely nothing about them. So far, we held four expeditions. Each of them was uh, unique in so many aspects. The project was first launched in Namibia with the Himba people. Our second expedition headed to Papua New Guinea to work with five different tribes over there. The third destination was Siberia, where our team encountered uh, the nomadic reindeer herders of the Nenets tribe. And our most recent expedition to date was held both in Panama and Ecuador. For the expedition to Panama and Ecuador, we were six MyHeritage employees. Over the course of almost a whole month, we met five tribes, four within Panama, the Emberan, the Nobe, the Nassau, and the Gunayala, and the fifth one, the Atuar, located right in the heart of the Amazon jungle in Ecuador. Before we go on each expedition, we have this uh, fine balance that we're looking for. On the one hand, we want to know as much as possible about the culture, about the traditions, about what we should expect basically when we get there, mainly because we want to respect uh, the conventions and uh, the customs, and we want to be very careful about what we are allowed to do and what we are not allowed to do. But on the other hand, it's very important for me to emphasize we come for the people. As we arrived at some of the villages, the people were waiting for us in their traditional costumes and greeted us with dances accompanied by musical instruments. Some of them quite unusual, like for example, a turtle shell that they used as a drum. The Embera people explain to us that their traditional dances are inspired by the animals that live around them, like the hummingbird dance that was performed by the young girls of the tribe. An absolute highlight of these trips, if you can refer to it as a highlight, uh, was the food. This is really where we drew the line uh, separating the brave souls from the rest. The unique culinary offerings from the local cuisines included uh, crocodile meat, fried sago grubs, reindeer blood, and chicha, which is uh, this squashy liquid made of yucca by the Achuar women and fermented by their spit. So let's just say that if you're looking to lose some weight, I recommend applying for the next uh, expedition. We stayed and slept in an open wooden hut. There were no walls, which means one thing, countless insects all the time. Locals are clearly used to coping with bugs and were not bothered by them. But for us, you know, pampered high-tech employees, it was quite an adjustment. One night, we needed to split the team and sleep in two different places. The first room was a small cubicle that only had space for one mattress, and we somehow managed to squeeze three people in there. But we were seven uh, people, including the photographer, so we asked the tribes people for help, and they found a solution for us. A cabin without walls, and when you enter it, 
you see in front of your eyes a stuffed cougar with a bell attached to its tail. And you know, I remember myself, you know, kind of thinking, uh, am I supposed to pull her by the tail in order to tell the receptionist that we arrived or what? <laughs> and, you know, if this wasn't enough, a quick check revealed that the mattresses were not only made of stale and crumbling foam, they were also full of fleas that eagerly awaited us. It was just us and nature, and the mosquitoes, and the snakes, and the bullet ants, and everything around it. And it's what actually made the experience even stronger, because we got the feeling like we were part of the tribe. We lived with them, we ate with them, um, they welcomed us to their houses, we saw how they live, and they gave us a glimpse of their family history and they were uh, kind enough to share it with us their personal stories so a daily routine in an expedition uh, would start by meeting uh, one of the families that we're interested to work with um, a typical work session with a single family can take anything between three or four hours to a full day at first we try to identify the key characters of the family those who seem to be most knowledgeable about the family histories and meaningful events, but are also um, outgoing and expressive enough to communicate with us. In most cases, by the way, it meant that we would be talking to the elders. During the interview, we would build their family tree for them using the MyHeritage's desktop software, which was installed on our laptops, because, as you can imagine, Wi-Fi is a you know, kind of a short supply in the middle of the jungle. And of course, we would also take profile pictures of each of the residents so that later, when we completed their family trees, we could match the, the faces to their profiles on the tree. When we were working on building the family trees, uh, we discovered there are so many obstacles that we simply didn't expect. Uh, one of them, for example, was with the Himba people. Uh, out of respect for the dead, it is forbidden for them to pronounce aloud the explicit names of any of their direct ancestors. When trying to build a family tree, obviously this is a bit of a problem. At first, we encountered a wall of silence, and we were clueless as to how to overcome this specific obstacle. But then, uh, one of the tribe members came up with this creative idea. Maybe the descendants are not allowed to speak these names uh, out loud, but there is no reason why others couldn't do so. So from that point forward, we always made sure that relatives who are not direct descendants of the people we ask about will attend the conversation as well in order for them to fill in those missing details. In, in parallel to working with the FTB during the stage of building the family tree, we also developed some very basic yet effective techniques to sort and organize the information. For instance, we discovered that charting the family diagram on top of a whiteboard together with the people we talked to is a highly efficient way to get them engaged, promote collaboration, and untangle family relation um, complexities. One example is the unusual social pattern we encountered in Papua New Guinea, involving adoption. When we first started building trees there, we got very confused, because a lot of the children supposedly had more than one pair of parents, and this obviously created a lot of conflicts in the tree structure. But then we were told that in some tribes, it is very common to adopt children for a wide 
uh, range of reasons. A younger sister who got married uh, and gave birth before her older sister had a child uh, must give her sister the child to adopt. Or if by tragic misfortune uh, some of a man's children died at a young age, he has to give the remaining children to another family member to adopt uh, as a protection measure from any curse that might surround them. So going back to the whiteboard, many times it took a tedious and frustrating effort to actually understand the nature of relationships and map out biological connections as opposed to others. And it was only possible through a process of trial and error by sketching and discussing and erasing and over again until we got it right. One of the things that are most important to the Achuar is their spiritual life. They truly believe uh, they can communicate with the spirit of the forest, which they call Arutam. This communication takes place in the form of dreams, visions, or revelation, but can only take place under the supervision and the guidance of a shaman. Therefore, shamans are considered to have a lot of power and influence, and they have the ability, according to the Ashwar belief, to heal on the one hand, but to curse and perform witchcraft and hurt people on the other. The Ashwar believe that some shamans are on the light side and others are on the dark side, and it's hard to know who is who. One of the shamans we met from the Ashwar tribe is called Tiwa, the bird. Tiwa is a very impressive person and is considered one of the most promising members of the tribe. He was selected as chief of the Achuar at a very young age, 25. He is a charismatic and clever person driven by a deep sense of commitment to protect his people and their culture. He accompanied us throughout our entire visit from the first moment, so we were really able to witness from up close just how much the people respect him. On the last day of the project, we headed out to Wachirpas, the village where his mother and sisters live. And as we sat with him and his family to build the family tree, the topic of his father's death came up and how his mother had fought firstly for the family's well-being. And there, right before our eyes, this work of building the family tree became a heart-to-heart conversation where this hardened chief opened his wounded heart to his mother and spoke to her as though he was a child. And her words, which we didn't understand at the time, as they were spoken in the language of the Achuar, caused him to start tearing quietly. While he was crying, every last one of our team members felt deeply touched, because really a dialogue like this holds a universal truth to it. And when a mother and a son talk to one another that way, you don't need any translation to understand what they're saying. This is what Tiwa told his mother as we later learned. You are like a giant home to me. You always accept me with open arms and big heart. All the places father was supposed to take me, you took me instead. You give me the power father had. I don't know what I will do on the day you are no longer with me. When I'm far from home, I feel very, very lonely. And his mother uh, replied this way. She said, uh, no matter how far away we will be from one another, I will always protect you. You are like a treasure for me. I ask you not to lose the spirit of your father, which will always reside inside of you. And then they hugged one another for a brief moment in a very restricted manner. But only if you understand that 
the Achuar are not people who express feelings out in the open or uh, initiate intimate physical contact in public, then you realize that this brief moment couldn't actually be any more meaningful and significant. And in that moment, I knew that not only had the project succeeded, it had also given me and my teammates a chance to connect to the deepest emotion that the word family evokes. At the time, my father was uh, fighting uh, cancer and he started talking about his father and immediately I reflected back to my father back home and, and I, couldn't, I couldn't control myself. I started crying. I started crying like a baby. And sadly, my, my father uh, died a few, a few weeks uh, later after we come back from the expedition. But somehow in, in, in my mind, those events uh, merged together. So whenever I think about Tio, I also think about uh, my own father. Okay, everybody smile to the camera. On the final day of our journey, all the residents of the village were called to pose uh, for one last photo. There was this feeling of, you know, catharsis. Everyone was happy and in high spirits. And then, as Golan, who led our team, uh, was trying to say a few uh, last words of thanks, in the middle of this almost utopian moment, suddenly a man began to, I don't know, like it felt like he was shouting at us. And this is what he said. In the name of the community, thank you for coming to visit us here. We know that you come from far away and we're so happy that you came because for our community, this is the first time we connected with people from outside. And this has been a very good experience. With your project, you are helping us preserve our family history using means that we don't usually have access to. And this is very meaningful for us. For us, the natives of this land, it's usually quite difficult to connect and therefore we would love for you to come back here again. We want to ask you to speak with the people where you come from and tell them that we really live here. You can fly on big planes above us and when you look down you see only thick forest but when you land and touch the earth you will find our tribe, our culture, our language. I think that while on the everyday basis we help people via email with their family history, we all share the same basis. The content is different, but the base is the same. And what I mean by that is that each family has that unique story depends where you grew up, the stories would change. I think like we all carry memories and emotions from the past that are connected to our ancestors. Uh, we all develop expectation and worries about our descendants. Thanks to this project, the faces and the names of the people we met throughout the um, Tribal Quest project will exist forever. I think probably when you look at uh, the modern society, uh, people today have so many outlets and methods, uh, tools and platforms 
to document every single moment of their lives and just look at every teenager who takes a selfie once every five seconds. We have computers, we have social networks, we have uh, cell phones, we have everything that can assist us in preserving every single essence or every single moment of our being. Opposed to that, the people who live in indigenous communities basically uh, transfer the information by word of mouth, one generation to another. And this is not a very secure method to, uh, to ensure that this uh, uh, very valuable information uh, keeps on. Um, some of those people in the tribes that we've met are not going to be as part of the tribe as they are today because we are evolving as we are as humans. Um, some of the younger people already want to go out and explore and see more. And it's something that we have no control about. Also how um, we as humanity, how we evolve, it has a direct um, impact on those tribes. And it's very important to remember um, the family history of your own, of other people, of um, how people lived. Uh, it's possible that in a few years from now, no one would know how that happened or how it evolved. So um, I think preserving history is one of the most important thing we can do as a community.